0: And we're reading Genesis chapter 39, verse 21 to 40, verse 23. The Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all that he held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt Offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with the two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time... Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, were being, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are, you, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means. Joseph said, the three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when it all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, "'I too had a dream. "'On my head were three baskets of bread. "'In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. "'But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. "'This is what it means,' Joseph said. "'The three baskets are three days. "'Within three days, Joseph will lift off your head "'and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. "'Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, "'and he gave a feast for all of his officials.' He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. This is the Lord's word. You may be seated. Somebody told me recently, when I first started this series, He said how he really enjoys the, the account of Joseph. I, too. It's one of my, my favorite. But I wonder why we like it so much. I've been reading a book by Wayne Stiles. It's called Waiting on God. Highly recommend it to you. And he writes a quote in there, and let me just quote it verbatim. The reason that many of us like the story of Joseph is because we see ourselves in his life. True, we're not in 19th century B.C. Egypt, but we all have had to wait on God without much clarification as to why. We've struggled with temptation, we've had lousy families, we felt like God has, has us on the shelf, we've had close relationships crumble, we've borne the weight of circumstances so crushing that nothing but time and the mercy of God could mend. Joseph's life shows us how waiting on God relates to all of these. God revealed his plan for Joseph's future, but he didn't reveal how, he would co- how this would come about. Joseph's confidence was, not, was had to be in God, not in God's plan. So it is with us. We want God's plan so we can trust the plan. God hides the plan so we will trust him and so we will wait on him. I don't know about you guys, waiting for me is tough. We we live in a generation as well where we don't need to wait for anything. I've, uh, I've I've struggled in coming to Hong Kong because my credit cards. Number one, I've been turned down for a credit card three times. It's like, what well, what's going on with this? I don't understand this. In the United States, you just go out and you can get a credit card very easily. I tried again. I put my name in again. So we'll see if I, if four is a charm this time. Finally, I can get a credit card. But I don't like to wait. And so when I go online, I want to I want to get a book and I want to get it now. I, so I'll put it on Kindle or something else like that. We are the microwave generation. We don't like to wait for anything. We want it now. We want it yesterday. Just think about this age as well, when they had to wait a long time for most everything. Does God call us to wait? He does, doesn't he? But it's in the waiting, even as we sung that song, it's in the waiting that God does amazing things. As this chapter opens up, we see God showing Joseph kindness. Now, chapter 39 was where we were last week. It bookends. Joseph has been sold into slavery, but the place in which he is, Potiphar's home, there as well, God shows him kindness. And it says this phrase, the Lord was with him. Several times, three times in fact, in that early part, it says that the Lord was with Joseph and he caused everything that Joseph did to prosper. Now we come to the end of chapter 39 and Joseph is in prison. And here we see again, God is with Joseph. Three more times, God says it in his word that he's with Joseph. And almost verbatim, we see the same things that God did in Joseph's life when he was in Potiphar's house. Now we see him in prison and God doing the very same things. And it says there that God showed him kindness. And when it talks about that kindness that it's saying there, that kindness is a very important word in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word chesed. You'll probably never remember that. But it, what it means is this it's God's faithful love to us. It's not only God's faithful love to us, it's God's mercy. Because there are times we're looking at Joseph. I mean, he did everything right. He was a man of incredible uh, uh, integrity. And when the opportunity came for him, she invited him, come to bed with me. And when the opportunity came, what did he do? He left his cloak and he ran. He did everything right. And yet he was thrown in prison, falsely accused. And you almost want to say, God, what is this? And some of us had things that have happened in our lives, and we almost want to say, God... What are you thinking? What are you doing? Be careful. He is God and we're not. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9 says, for your thoughts are not our thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says your thoughts are not his. Ours, many, time, our, many times, we want things done easily, don't we? We want things done right in, right now, and we want things done according to what we want in our lives. But God's ways are higher than our ways. We look at, at Joseph's story from the, from the outside. We know what's going to happen with Joseph, but Joseph has not a clue as to what's going to happen with him. Joseph is now in prison. We don't know how much time has elapsed. from. We know that he was 17 years old when he goes to Egypt. We know that he's 30 years old when he enters into Pharaoh's service. And this account that we're going to be looking at now in chapter 40, it says for two full years he waited. So he's probably around 28 years old. There's a few of us in this room that are like that. How would you like to, sometimes we want to know, well, what's going to happen with my life? God doesn't show us. God doesn't show us, but sometimes we feel that God has forgotten us. Do you think that Joseph at times might have felt that God had forgotten him? There are times when we think as well, God, what's up with this? You know, I, I did everything right. I, I obeyed you. I did what it was that you called me to do. And God, when I pray, it's like you're not even there. Does God hear our prayers? We know that he does. Has God forgotten us? We know that he hasn't. Look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter fifty-five. excuse me, Isaiah chapter 49. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God says, I've written your name on the very palm of my hand. I don't know all the symbolism behind that. But God says, I've not forgotten you. And please, you're going to hear this phrase many, many times in this sermon today. Don't equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God don't equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. God does some of his best work in the midst of dark times. And what what Joseph did while he waited, he's falsely accused. He's not forgotten. That's your first thing. But the second one was, Joseph had to wait upon God. And what he did while he was waiting is life-changing. What you do while you're waiting is huge, because oftentimes it's in that waiting time that God is shaping and molding your character for what it is that he has called of you to do. So what it is that you do while you're waiting can oftentimes be life-changing. And so Joseph, if there was ever a candidate for for to be disillusioned with both God and man, it was Joseph. He's sold down the river by his brothers as a slave. Sold by his brothers as a slave. uh, He's sold as a slave to the head of Pharaoh's Pharaoh's bodyguards. He acted with integrity and still ended up being falsely accused of rape. He's put in prison without any hope of being, of being released. And again, with integrity, again acting in te- integrity, kindness, and fully trusting in God to interpret his dream. For the one person who could give him some hope, he's forgotten for two years. Yet Joseph, even though he didn't have, one, one of the things we need to remember is, what did Joseph have? I mean, these were things that he didn't have. Joseph didn't have, first of all, he had no prospect of going home. What's home? What's at home for Joseph? He's got ten brothers who sold him down the river. He's got nothing at home. He has no prospect of going home. The second one that he has, he has no prospect of of advancement. He's in the jail. He's as high as he can go in that jail. But there's no hope, next one, there's no hope of marriage Where's he going to get married? Who's he going to get married to in, in, in prison? The next one, he has no hope of getting out of jail. But the one thing that he does have, and you notice know something? Every one of those things, every single one of those things, God does for him. Joseph is advanced to the second place, second highest position in all of Egypt. Joseph is, will one day go back to his home. He'll be reunited with his brothers. He will get married and he will get out of jail. Every single one of those things God will take care of. But the one thing that Joseph had going for him while he was there was he had the Lord with him. And that's huge. That's huge. In verse 21 and verse 23 of chapter 39, it says, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness. There's that word kindness. And the last one, it says, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him, ex- gave him success in whatever it was that he did. God is with you. Some of you are here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Some of you are here today because you have to be here. But know this, God is the one who is at work in your life. God is the one who is pursuing you to have a relationship with you. You may say, well, I don't believe in God. That's too bad. God believes in you and God is pursuing you to have a relationship with him. A relationship that is real, personal, and that is based upon his love. And here in Joseph's life, I wonder if there were times he felt like God had forgotten him. But we're, as we're going to see, in the midst of this time, God hadn't forgotten him. And not only that, what Joseph does while he's waiting is huge. The first thing that he does when he's, while he's waiting is Joseph refused to have a poor me attitude. If ever there was anybody who could have had a poor me attitude in this, he's like, it could have been Joseph. But he refuses to have a, have a poor me attitude. In fact, we see Joseph, we use a phrase, he bloomed where he was planted. Wherever Joseph is... And whatever it is that Joseph is doing, he is doing it with integrity. Again, remember last week when we talked about what Joseph's in Potiphar's home. He has no prospect of going home, no prospect of advancements, no prospect of marriage. And I wonder if Joseph didn't say at that point, God, I have none of these things, but I have you. And as long as I have you, God, I will serve you with all of my heart. I don't know if he ever said that, but I know that God blessed him. And God blesses that which brings him glory. You heard that from last week. God blesses that which brings him glory. And God blessed Joseph's life. And here, while he's in prison, he serves. He serves. And he's serving all the prisoners that are there. And while he's serving, and it's interesting, one of the ways in which to avoid a poor me attitude is to take your eyes off of yourself and learn to serve others. Learn to look at somebody else and what it is that they're walking through. And Joseph served, and not not only did he serve the prisoners, but then it says that he was given two other men as well: uh, the the cupbearer and the um, the cupbearer and the baker. And Joseph served them as well. And it says that um, it said that. Okay, let me get the phrase. After some time is used several times in this chapter, and that's a huge phrase. Joseph served, but we're not told how long he served. But Joseph served, and what God is doing in the sometimes is huge in Joseph's life. Because Joseph served, but not only does Joseph serve, but um, slide 5 says that Joseph refused to go down the slope. The, the, uh, Joseph refused to go down the slippery slope of bitterness. Again, if there was anyone who could have been bitter with what life had handed him, it was Joseph. And verse 6, we see Joseph seeing these guys. It says, when he came, this is the chief cupbearer and the baker. Let me stop there for a minute and just talk to you about who they were. The chief cupbearer was the one who, in in Egypt and a lot of other countries, they would have somebody who would taste and somebody who would drink the wine right before the king did. And the king and the other people would watch him. If this guy keels over, if this guy guy dies, okay, the king's going to live because this guy here died. And the thing of it was, though, the cupbearers... They often had a really, really strong relationship with the king. There's another cupbearer that we meet later on in the scriptures. We know who his name is. Daniel. Daniel was the cupbearer to the king, and that was a very, very close. Or Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. Excuse me. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, and it's a very, very, very close relationship. And the baker as well. It was he was the man who put the food on on, Joseph, on the king's table. And so both of them, that relationship would have been very, very close with the king. And they must have been something that had to do with food because both of them have did something and both of them were put in prison at the same time. But the cupbearer is huge. Because when the cupbearer comes into prison, I wonder if Joseph's heart didn't leap just a bit. Because remember that relationship between Pharaoh and the cupbearer? He stands at the side of the, of the king. The one man, the only man in all of Egypt that had the ear of the king And God places them right right in Joseph's lap. And I wonder if Joseph's heart didn't leap just a little bit when he saw the cupbearer. And when they when he sees them, it says they both the next morning he saw that they were both dejected. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't look at them and say, You think you got problems? You want to hear about problems? Let me tell you about problems. Let me tell you about what happened to me. But he doesn't say that. Dreams are huge. Go to the next slide, please. It said, we both had dreams, they answered, and there's no one to interpret them. In Egypt, dreams were very, very important. But, if, but in the same way, having a diagnosis without having any treatment, you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you got high blood pressure. says, that, that'll be $200, I'll see you later. That, what, what good is that? Tell me, how do I deal with the high blood pressure? Tell me, how do I deal with the cancer? Don't just tell me what I have, but tell me how to deal with that. The same way here, dreams were very important, but they needed someone to interpret. And why were they downcast? Because in prison there was nobody to interpret the dreams. And look at Joseph, what he does here. Did Joseph absolutely trust God? That attitude didn't happen overnight. That happened over some time. After some time, God developed in Joseph's heart a full trust. Because what does he say? Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. Tell me, that kind of an attitude, that kind of trust doesn't happen overnight. God was the one who was refining Joseph's heart in the midst of that time. And so when they tell him to dream, Joseph answers that dream. He absolutely trusted God that he would provide what it was, what it was that Joseph needed. The, sick, the next thing that we see is that while Joseph was in prison, God was deepening his roots. It's, I don't know, it, it's hard for us to imagine here in the States, where I was from, uh, very northern part, almost next to the Canadian border, uh, there, we had a winter in 2013 where we had 75 days where it never got above minus 28 Celsius. It, it was terrible. It was just terrible. And during that year, we had a lot of snow, so much so that we had apple trees that the, the, the branches started about here. The snow was right up to the bottom of the branches. And what happens in winter, especially in, in cold climates, is that all the leaves fall off the tree and the ground gets hard. But there's something that's going on below the surface. We had a man in our church who had a beautiful apple tree. And a man came over from the church and said, hey, I know how to, I know how to trim your tree. And so he started trimming the tree. And the next spring, when that tree was supposed to grow, it was dead. Why? Because you don't trim the tree in fall. Because everything, when the leaves go off, all the energy goes down into the roots of the tree. God is doing something. God is preparing that tree for the next year. And when that guy cut off all the limbs, it was causing that tree to try and put energy into healing those wounds and not energy into deepening the roots. And when, when God is silent, when God is silent, He is doing a work in our hearts and in our lives. And He is deepening our walk with Him. And so don't equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. God was working on Joseph's heart. And not only did Joseph have an attitude of trust, but there was one more thing that Joseph had to learn. It was a test, a test of time. Because the one guy that could have helped him out, what does he do? He forgets him. (sighs) That says a lot about this guy's character, doesn't he? Joseph gives him a new lease on life. God speaks in such a way to tell this guy, hey, you're going to be released. And all Joseph asks is this. When you, when you get out, remember me. Show me chesed. Show me kindness. The same kindness that God showed you by giving you this dream. Remember me. Because I'm here and I'm not, I, I didn't do anything to deserve being here. And he promptly forgets him. Has God put somebody in your lap that's had an amazing an amazing effect in your life? Have you, have you taken the time to thank them for it? Have you taken the time to, to maybe write a letter or give a telephone call and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you did in my life. When I was a kid, uh, we went to a very, very small Alliance Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And we were just a small church, maybe 30 people in the church. but We had lots of kids. We we didn't have enough people to help out, so they had a missionary group that that came out. And there were two older ladies, Miss LaRue and Miss Evelyn. Miss LaRue was like a rugby player with a dress on. I mean, she was a big, big lady. And she'd stand up, and she'd sing, and she'd lead, and, and everything else. And the other lady, Miss Evelyn, she would play the piano. Year after year after year, they would come. They'd hold up the placards, and we'd learn to sing. That's where I learned the books of the Bible, learned a lot of my scripture that I know as a kid, even before I was a Christian. And they did that, and God brought me up short a number of years ago. Have you taken the time to call her and just thank her for what it is that she did in your life? She's an amazing lady, both of them. I had a telephone call with her, and she said at 70-some-odd years old, she still had tracts in her purse, and when she'd go to the grocery store, she'd tell people about Christ. She had a passion for him. Is there somebody that God has put in your life, somebody that has had an effect on your life that you need to say thank you to? Maybe that person is long gone. But just saying before God, God, thank you for the godly influence that that person had in my life. This guy forgets all about Joseph. And you know, it's interesting. One of the greatest tests in our lives is the test of time. Because we, we don't like to wait. Joseph had to wait two full years. Two full years. But what is God doing to Joseph in that full, two full years? When Joseph is released, and you're going to hear about this next week, when Joseph is released, what does he do? Does he go after Potiphar's wife? You, miserable. You put me in here. You falsely accused me. Does he go after her? Doesn't. What about when his brothers come up before him? And they they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. He has the power to absolutely make their lives miserable. In the same way that I wonder if his first years weren't miserable. But what does he do? He shows them mercy, and he shows them kindness. That didn't happen overnight. That happened after some time. Some time in which God was working in and through his heart. Alexander Dumas wrote the book, The Count of Monte Cristo. And in that book, you have Edmond Dantes. How many of you have read that book or seen that, that movie? Not many. Oh, amazing, amazing book. But it's all about Revenge. It's, it's all about revenge, and Edmund has been sold out by, about, by one of his best friends so that that best friend could get his future wife. And through all this time, Edmund is thrown in prison, and finally he's able to escape, and when he escapes, he finds an amazing treasure. And with this treasure, he uses that treasure to get back and to find the people who, who, um, who, who, who did him so much wrong. And he spends all this time seeking to, to get back at them. And in one of the, in one of the, in one of the scenes, the, his associate, Nyakobo, arranges for his, his, former, his former girlfriend to be in the carriage with him. And he realizes who it is, and he wants to get out, and he grabs Nyakobo by the, by the lapels, and he says, if you, ever, if you ever get in my way again, he said, I will end what it is that it began when I first saw you. And the guy says, I don't understand what's wrong with you. You have all this money. You have somebody who loves you. Take it. And live your life as you will. And he says to him, Edmund Dante says to him, he says, don't rob me of my hate. It is all that I have left. And hate and bitterness, I said this before, bitterness is the poison you drink, hoping somebody else will die. And Joseph, if anybody was somebody who could have had a a poor me attitude, anybody who could become disillusioned with God and his fellow man, Anybody who could have held a grudge, it was Joseph. But Joseph refused to do any of those things. And where does that attitude come from? After some time. After some time. God does the work and the greatest test in our lives many times is the test of time. Let me just read you something and then we're going to watch a video here. One of the greatest tests to our faith is time. Will we wait on God even when he does even when we don't hear anything from him? Will we continue to serve him even when it seems like we've been forgotten? Will we continue to trust God even if he doesn't take away the pain, doesn't bring the prodigal back, doesn't soften the heart of will we continue to trust him? Because while it looked to David, excuse me, to Joseph as though he had been forgotten, he wasn't. In that two years, it wasn't time yet for Joseph to come on the scene. I mean, in Joseph's mind's eye, when, when Pharaoh's cupbearer is there with him, I imagine he thought, "Okay, now's the time. Now's the time for me to be released." And yet, God says, "It's not time. It's not time yet." And God's timing, while it's never late, doggone it, it's never early either, is it? And God's timing wasn't right, but when His timing was right. Joseph's heart was right. That's huge. When the timing was right, Joseph's heart was right. It was in the right place for him to do what it is that God called him to do. And I don't know what it is that you may be facing today. I don't know if it's a medical thing. I don't know if it's something in your marriage. And you're just praying, God, would you change that person's heart? God, would you change the heart of my employer? God, would you change the the place in which I'm at in life? God, would you work this out? God, would you provide... And in those times when God doesn't answer us the way that we want, will I still trust him? Even when, even when he doesn't answer me in the way that I want? We're going to watch a, watch a quick uh, video. It's Mercy Me's song, even, uh, even, even If. And just listen to the words, and then I'm going to come back after we're done with this. The greatest test of our faith is time. And will we wait will we continue to hope even when God seems silent? Don't equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. God does some of his greatest work in the darkness. And will we trust him even if he doesn't answer the way in which we want? Can I pray for you? Precious Father, thank you. Lord, you know what goes on in the hearts and lives of each precious one here. You see the tears You see the times when we want to just pack up our Christianity and dump it off. You see the times when we have raised our fist to the heavens and said, God, if you're really a God, you would do this, but you haven't. So I don't know if you are God. And instead of turning your back on us, you continue to love us and you continue to draw us close to you. Precious Father, you see, you see those things that we've been bringing before you. Those things which, God, up to now you've not answered. Or you've answered in a way that's completely different to what it is we would have thought. You're still God. And God, would you continue to deepen our walk with you, deepen our faith and our trust in you. And I just pray, God, for your precious hand to be with this precious group of people. Lord, for those who don't know you, Would you continue to work in their lives? Would you continue to make yourself real in their lives? Draw to yourselves. Draw us to yourself, Father. And I pray these things and ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray his blessing over you. I pray his grace over you. As you walk out into this week, trust him. He will not fail you. He has not forgotten you. He is still with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Again, if you'd like prayer, we'd invite you to come on up. I'll be up here waiting as well. Lord bless you and have a great week.